Welcome to the Kaleidoscope. This is a podcast from CBS News. Your usual host, Allison Keyes, is away. I'm Steve Dorsey in Washington. We've got a closer look at some historic wins Tuesday night, along with an important case at the Supreme Court. That's next after this short break. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. We've got a few firsts this year in Congress. The first Gen Z member of Congress projected to win his election. Alabama is sending its first woman to the Senate. Mark Hannis is co-founder of Inclusive America, a nonprofit that promotes diversity in government. Mark, how important is diversity in Congress? I think it's critical that we have more diversity because we talk about uh, the founding fathers establishing a government of, by, and for the people. And that's not just important because it may look nice or sound nice, feel good. It's because we know that those who look like us are best placed to shape and design and implement policies that are supposed to help us. So if you only have one group of people making all these decisions, um, we leave out a lot of opportunities to make better policies for the rest of us. So it's been great to see the midterm elections break so many glass ceilings. Can you talk about the state level, too? What did we see on election night? Sure. We saw a variety of things. Um, So, for example, uh, Maura Healy out of Massachusetts is the first out lesbian elected to governorship. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is the first woman elected as a governor of Arkansas. Um, I believe her lieutenant governor is also um, a first. Um, We've seen um, also Summer Lee. uh, sorry, that's a federal level at the black woman elected to, to Congress. Uh, Kathy Hochul, she was already uh, governor of New York, but this is the first time she was elected um, as opposed to taking over when Cuomo left. Um, so we've seen a variety uh, of at the state and federal level glass ceilings being broken. So it's not just about promoting diversity in government. It's about uh, encouraging diversity in policies and legislation. What should this new Congress in, in January be focused on? Yeah, so we sort of think about four buckets of what they can think about. The first bucket is what are they doing themselves within their offices? So we've got all these new people coming in representing different states or districts across the country. Are they making sure that the people who are working for with them to represent their constituents look like their constituents? So, for example, women make up 51 percent of our population. It's pretty consistent, even as you get down to the uh, congressional district level. Are there staffs? also looking like that. So we don't want to just settle for half, only hiring half the population. Historically, that's just men. We want the best talent serving um, these people and therefore their constituents. The other piece is the policies. Internally, just like we see with any other employer in America, 
You want to make sure that people are getting paid the same wages, regardless of what their demographic looks like. We want to make sure that there's sexual harassment policies so that the best people are serving their constituents uh, instead of addressing weird things happening in the office. Um, and particularly for U.S. Senate, we once were calling for there to be an establishment of a bipartisan Senate diversity and inclusion office to make sure that we are giving a level playing field to all these Senate staffers. The House of Representatives has already done this. So that's like a key concrete thing that any candidate for U.S. Senate could do uh, day one when they when they come to D.C. in January. The two last things are externally facing. So we want those that, um, you know, in the Senate, they get to vote on a third of whoever the president of the United States says uh, should be an ambassador, cabinet level. This is really important because after midterms, there's a huge turnover. So we want to make sure the senators, for example, say, hey, don't just keep picking the same old male pale from Yale. We want to see all swaths of, of uh, our country represented when you name people to the most senior positions and the biggest employer in the country. And lastly, there are specific policies. Um, so we're calling for um, both the House and the Senate to support bills to make sure there's more transparency about who's who are actually in these offices that are shaping our domestic and foreign policies. Uh, there's this plum book. It comes out every four years. We want to see it come out every every year at minimum, ideally every quarter, um, so we know who, who are sitting in these positions. There's also a great bill calling for the State Departments to be more diverse. Sadly, a lot of our ambassadors, it's about who they know and how much money they give, and not about them having the best uh, experience and skills to represent America across the globe. And when we talk about inclusivity, uh, what about how lawmakers interact with each other? Um, there's obviously deep divides in this country. How much of a priority is it for folks in, in Congress and on state, state level offices to meet in the middle? I, it's critical. Um, obviously, we haven't seen the final results of of the midterm elections this cycle, but it'll. It's basically impossible to get anything meaningful done, meaningfully done, without bipartisanship. Um, we've seen already uh, with slim majorities it being very difficult, especially in the Senate, to get anything meaningful done without a um, you know sixty person vote, uh, Senate vote. So it's again this. If we want to be diverse, inclusive, and equitable. We've got to work across across both sides. Diversity and inclusivity in American government and politics. Mark Hannis, again, co-founder of Inclusive America. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. The Supreme Court heard arguments Wednesday on the most significant challenge to the 1978 Indian Child Welfare Act, a law which gives preference to Native American families in foster care and adoption proceedings. The legislation is considered important for tribal sovereignty as it was meant to counter the high rate at which indigenous children were taken from their homes by public and private agencies and forced to assimilate and adopt white cultural norms. Dean Rosenbaum is a legal analyst for CBS News. The issue here is whether the Indian Child Welfare Act creates a racial classification in preferring Indian families over white families in the placement of children into foster care, or is it a political classification that respects the sovereignty of Native Indian American tribes to make decisions on matters related to their own people. Three white families, along with a handful of states, including Texas, claim the law is unconstitutional. Thanks for joining us, and thanks to Alan Pang for his production assistance. You can catch Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys every Friday. Follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio these days. Also, leave a rating and a review. I'm Steve Dorsey, CBS News.
Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.